A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Pull Hitter Podcast. This is Rob D. You can catch me on X at Dead Pull Hitter. I have on today's show Matthew Shepard and Dusty Wagner. They are experienced auction players. Matthew won the overall auction championship last year. And they team up on a lot of teams. So we talk about how to play as teammates. And pretty much it's auction geared. We're talking about all the little nuances and intricacies that go behind auction play. And what do you do at the draft table? What do you do before that? A lot of layered stuff we peeled back and try to get into auction formats themselves. It's a great episode. I think you'll find a lot of actionable advice. Come check out the Pull Hitter Patreon. As always, you can find it on my pinned tweet or on Patreon.com. Just pull in Pull Hitter Fantasy and you catch me there. Enjoy the episode. Yeah. All right. Welcome back to the Pull Hitter Podcast. I'm Rob D, the Dead Pull Hitter. I'm here with two very special guests, uh, Mr. Matt Shepard and Dusty Wagner. Um, how you doing, folks? How you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having us, Rob. Yeah, thank, thanks, Rob. I'll have to direct it. Who likes to, who likes to go first? I direct it I'll one let way Matt or go first. Since okay, I do all the talking usually. <laughs> uh, so we we've, we've obviously been going through some crazy days here um, in the NF. Well, we're not, you know, the NFFC community, but we're all feeling the effects of it. So yeah. um, I don't know if you guys want to touch on anything. We don't have to touch on anything if you want. I just uh, I just wanted to bring it out there. I know there's there's a lot of strong feelings out there, and it's just just you know the death hasn't settled yet. Hopefully, um, we can continue doing what we love to do, you know, um, yeah. in a reasonable way. Yeah, you know, I'll touch on that first with the disclaimer that I worked last night, so I haven't looked at anything since last night, so I don't know if anything's new, but. Um, I'm actually in the football contest, the, what is it, the Hold'em contest, and um, I was actually in second place at the start of the Chiefs-Bills game last week, and I did notice that Team Red Solo Cup was right there, and just as the, the folks on the other podcast pointed out, you know, you look at the other teams and you you notice what they have and what you have, and as the Chiefs-Bills game went on, I'm like, why is this guy still doing so well? He wasn't set up to do that well, and so I'm glad that uh, – those other folks caught it and raised it to Greg and uh, Tom and the NFFC's attention. And I appreciate their response. You know, they promptly looked into it. They, uh, 
you know, terminated the employee that was, uh, you know, assisting or, you know, I'll just say that. And uh, they got rid of the user because we don't want that in our game. You know, we love this. Uh, like you guys do. We're very passionate about this. And it's uh, it's my escape from reality, my escape from job. And I really look forward to doing this. And so it's disappointing to me that this would happen. It's disappointing to me that this user would do something like that. Um, I know of this user. He is in a lot of the drafts that, you know, the online drafts. Um, I'm on West Coast time, and so I do a lot of the 9 p.m. West Coast, the 11.55 Eastern drafts, and this guy's been in a lot of my leagues, so I'm surprised that something this would like this would happen. Having said that, he did uh, 70 online NFFC drafts this year and only won one of them, so I feel like if he had a really sophisticated racket going on, like he would be doing better than one out of 70 wins. So I feel like I hope that you know they've taken care of this and this won't be – a threat to our games moving forward. Um, Dusty and I have also chatted about this a little bit about, you know, we go to Vegas in March for the auctions and the drafts. And I, I say, you know, I, I feel comfortable going this year still. Uh, I still plan to go. I hope Dusty still plans to go with me because it's what I look forward to doing. Dusty, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I'm kind of the same way. It's It just kind of sucks all around. I, you know, I've been talking to Rob uh, also throughout the last couple of days and, uh, you know, it's a football issue that's going to become a baseball issue. Um, but, you know, if it wasn't for Greg or Tom, I think it'd be pretty easy uh, to, like, kind of go, move on, go away. Um, but with them, like, you know, I've, I've had my ups and downs with them throughout the years, but, like, they've always had my full trust. Um, and they still do, uh, even after this. Um, I think we'll we'll – we're still in the storm right now. Um, there's still a long way to go, but like, I'm going to go to Vegas this year. Like I have no qualms, like giving them my money. I feel like my money's safe with them. Um, you know, even if, if more stuff does come out, but as, as far as everything going on, like I'll kind of reserve judgment until everything kind of fully comes out. But at this point in time, like I'm still planning on going to Vegas because I think, Somebody said it in, in Rob's Discord pretty good. It's it's like what he's created. It's more than the the leagues. It's all the friendships made and and all the text behind like the the, the streams. And it's you know, it's a it's a year long type friendship you know that all of us have. And I think he was a part in creating all that. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Dusty. I mean, that's how you and I met, right? I mean, we we met each other at one of these drafts and have stayed friends. And and I go twice a year for, for baseball and then in Labor Day weekend for football. And yeah, a lot of these drafts that we're doing, you know, the ultimate auction, it's the same group of folks every year, more or less. It's like the same, you know, at least 10, 12 of the teams are year after year. I mean, and, and to, to that point, you know, they've already filled the Platinum League. They've already filled the Diamond Drafts. So it's hard to get into these leagues because – you know, the, the same people come back year after year. And it's not just the the three or four hours of the draft. It's the whole experience. And so, yeah, I hope it continues, uh, you know, like it's always been. I mean, it, it's it, it's a it's a negative thing, but I think, you know, a lot of other businesses, you know, out there have, have these, you know, I, I think it's more of a, a, a corrupt person, not a corrupt organization or not yeah. a corrupt system at this point, teams. I think some of the, um, this, this postseason challenge, there's, I think 1,500 or so teams is a lot. And there's an ability that everybody could have, you know, Travis Kelsey on their team. So it's, I could see how it's a little bit more vulnerable than maybe some of the other 
drafts and auctions to have something like this happen. Yeah, that's from what, you know, that's my biggest thought too as well is just the way the way it's set up and the way it's designed to work um, and that whole game strategy that goes into that contest results in, you know, maybe more eyes on, you know, the lineup changes and different things. I know I I look at everything in my leagues, you know, in my main events, in my auction leagues. I'm, I'm looking at, because I'm looking at who other people are starting, especially down by the end of the season. Um, you know, I'm making moves against who's, ahead of me in the standing who's behind me standing he's going with five pitchers five starters six, you know eight starters i'm trying to count it out as much as i can you know that's yeah. a whole part of the game and it's yeah. it's it's also taking advantage of that information that's there on the site it's there for a reason and i totally understand everyone who has their feels you should have feels that's what i've been saying like you should feel something from this whatever it is you know and and those are your feelings and i totally understand a lot of the newer players that are hesitant and, and maybe don't want to keep their money in the nfbc or playing it you know i'm not going to tell them what to do i could try to uh convey my support for you know like you said greg and tom not being corrupt people at all I'm just not being being around them for three four years i don't feel that way at all um and i feel like it's this will only spur better you know, transparency and better guards against anything like this going forward. Yeah. All right, so, so uh, let's talk about you guys to, um, in, in tandem. I know you guys do a lot of draft together, but let's just get like a little quick history on you guys when you got started in fantasy and then how you guys met and developed some kind of like, oh, let's partner up and do this draft together. Cause it's not an easy thing. You know, I, I've, I've had some partnerships that were like, oh, this is amazing. And I feel easy <laughs> doing this. And some of them, it's just more like, oh, I think this might be more work than I need, you know? <laughs> so I'll let you guys, you know, talk about that. Cause I know you have a cool little story. I'll let Dusty share that story. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. So, uh, I mean, this was maybe three or four years ago. Now um, we're in Vegas at the, the Saturday main and, um, you know, I had kind of seen Matt before, like, you know, he'd always kind of been in the higher stakes lead with me. I was like with other partners at the time and I always kind of knew him because he's always like right on time, never early. And that's like always made Greg mad. <laughs> he's, he worked, does, yeah. <laughs> he's worked on that, but, but, you know, uh, anyways, so I'm sitting next to him. I kind of already knew he had a, had a personality and uh, we're like in the second or third round and we're kind of like looking around the table and everybody's got computers and everybody's like intently studying their thing. And I just like look at Matt and me and him just have like two pieces of paper and drinking a beer and the only one's drinking really at the table. <laughs> Everyone else is like, we need power for our computers. And we're like, what computers? <laughs> we need more beer. <laughs> we need, we need ice for the beer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can you have some chips? You know, these main events start early in the morning. I've always said to Greg, why don't you have breakfast for everyone? Like computers. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not even thinking about my... Yeah. We sat next to each other and we did a draft and I think Dusty got mad that I took an Astro from him or something like that. And that's what sort of started our conversations. Yeah. That's awesome. So how, how do you feel like you guys have complimented each other and like learned from one another and in, in, in just examining how you guys play together and your style? Cause like I said, I know it's not easy and you know, it's something that you have to agree on so many things, uh, roster construction build, the actual players itself, you know? And so how do you go through that yeah. process? Um, I, I think, you know, we compliment each other well, cause I, I, I think Dusty's more like 
I, I use the word micromanager. Sometimes that has a negative connotation, but I think for fantasy baseball, it's it's an okay thing. You know, he's more into the you know the day to day, the details. Like, well, I'll look at the lineup, and he'll have picked up a guy, and he started him, and I said, "Why'd you pick up this guy?" And he'll say, "Because he's got two matchups against left-handers, and he hits." 375 against left-handers and he eats fruit loops on Mondays. And when he eats fruit loops on Mondays, he hits a home run and all that kind of, <laughs> you know, micromanaging logic <laughs> that, you know, I'm saying, well, what happens if he has Apple Jacks? Cause they're out of fruit loops at the hotel. And that, those are some of the conversations that we'll have. And so I think he's more of a, you know, and he, he also, I, I think follows, I call it the tweet taco gram, all the social media and who says what and who posts what and, all the, you know, latest reports from, you know, this team is going to start this guy and all that stuff. He keeps up on that a little bit better than I do. And I think I'm more of a big picture kind of guy. And I tell him that, you know, my phrase is, you know, they're all my players. They're all good players. It's just more finding a a way to complement the players together. I mean, there's very few players I just won't, absolutely will not have on my team. It's all you know, how do they fit together is more the right way. And so Dusty's more of a, he likes his favorite guys or he's got his guys and he'll tell you why. And I'm more like, nah, they're all the same, you know, or whatever. So (laughs) uh, Dusty, what do you have to add to that? I mean, I I thought you did like everybody but pitchers though. Well, you know, I'm sure Rob asked us questions about pitchers later, but yeah, I mean, I (laughs) I think it's, well, we had the conversation yet a few days ago, he, Dusty, was, was really talking about uh, George Kirby. And I said, well, how is he really that much different than Logan Gilbert? He's $10 cheaper. Logan Gil- Gilbert's 10 bucks cheaper. They had the same stats last year. So is he eating Fruit Loops or what, what? what's he doing to make him more valuable? And so Dusty would tell me he's got this new pitch and he, he's got a new haircut and all this stuff, all these reasons why, you know, he feels Kirby's worth 10 bucks more than, you know. And so those are some of the conversations. I think that's what makes it fun for me because otherwise I would yeah. probably just show up and, middle of March and be ready to draft. But I think now two months before baseball starts, we're having all these, you know, conversations about, you know, what the pitchers pitch and what they're having for breakfast and all those cool things. It's funny too, because it's hard to not, you know, I think it's gets brought up a lot, like creating a narrative behind what can be good for someone, you know, training at driveline or, you know, he's, he's, he's learning new stretches like Nolan Gorman or he's, he's you know, taking, he's, he's got an anti-inflammation diet and some people will laugh yeah. at it and obviously because. Best shape of his you, career. Yeah, yeah, best shape of his career. Like, because you can't quantify things like that, sure. But like, yeah. if you've gone through something like that where you've had to, you know, learn how to train differently or learn how to eat differently. And you felt your body respond in better ways. You can appreciate someone doing that, you know? So it's funny. I always, you know, laugh at how people weigh those kind of things. You know, the, the, the little intricacies of what you doing on Instagram. Is he posting that he's partying or if he's working out all fucking day long? (laughs) You know, He had a fight with his girlfriend. Oh no, he's not going to be focused. Yeah. I don't don't pay much attention to that. Yep. and I, I think that's maybe a difference, you know, Dusty, what, what, what do you think? Yeah. Like uh, as Matt kind of knows, like I'm more in depth, like, you know, I'm into the projection systems. I know Matt, um, like he, he'll look at them, but he, he kind of sticks to himself. Like I, Matt, you don't like do anything like base, baseball HQ, like any, anything. It's just pretty much you, right? Um, I, I have my own way of, you know, I review last season stats and come up with my, you know, from an auction standpoint of what my price is that I want to pay for a player. You know, I, I, 
you know, the, the, the word value gets thrown out there a lot, but it's really a price. Like how much do I want to pay for Mookie bets this year or whatever? And that, that kind of stuff. And so I'll, I'll come up with that and then I'll correlate it to the average auction values that they have on the NFBC website and say, okay, well, these are players that are going for way less than I think there were. So these are the guys that I want to try and get versus these guys are going for way more than I think there were. So these are the ones I want to nominate first so people can bid all over them. Like Taylor Ward is an example. You know, he was a $20 player that everyone wanted to have last year. So I would always nominate him first. So people would bid 20, 22, 24 bucks to get him. And, you know, that sort of chews up their money faster. So yeah, I do, but I think trying to project how, you know, down to a fine point, how many home runs is Aaron judge going to have this year? I don't know. 35, 38, 41, 42, 50. I, I don't know. I think trying to, all those are possible outcomes, you know, will he stay healthy? Can, you know, can you project that he's going to be healthy or, you know, so I, I think like too much of that is, is like, I don't know if there's correlation with a lot of success. I know there's some people that will, you know, drill down to the finest point of how many RBIs a guy is going to get and what his value is and why he's worth $18, but not 19, you know? And so mm-hmm. I, I don't get into those because there's a lot of uh, moving parts of that. Yeah. yeah. Kind of okay. to that point, like, you know, with projection systems and, you know, everybody will fine tune them, like including myself, as far as like how we think at bats are going to play out or innings pitched and, and get evaluation off of that. But I think what, you Matt kind of do a better job at is like, okay, if this stat line that my projection system has come out should equal, you know, a $20 player kind of to your point where it doesn't really work out that way. That's not going to be his final projection uh, number at the end of the year. Um, I think you kind of do a better job of saying that's not gospel uh, as much as like I, I would, um, say it's more gospel uh, because I do trust these projection systems is smarter than me and and do you know do kind of correlate their past success but like I think you kind of look at it as a bigger picture get an idea of the player and then kind of formulate your own thoughts based off of that yeah yeah, yeah I mean I'll, oh I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off Rob no no that's okay I was just gonna I, I I think you made a great point with that whole range of home runs I think that's kind of what I really enjoy about the hey pop there <laughs> this is um, she's one of my helpers I have three that that helped me with the drafts and auctions that's fantastic yeah. I have four that helped me so yeah. awesome we got some oh that's a big yawn um she's one yeah. and a half years old so she's quite <laughs> oh, it's a baby yeah, right. it's a baby. I got a bunch. I got a so, bunch of geriatrics and seniors in the house. Uh, yeah. Nineteen-year-old, fourteen-year-old, wow. and two and two eleven-year-olds. Yeah, I got twelve, six, and her one and a half years. Cool, awesome. They're <laughs> the best. But yeah, but no, I totally, I, I kind of agree with that whole scope of, of of a range of thing. That's kind of like the baseball HQ, like Mayberry method, the Ron Chandler, Babs method. It's just like okay, I can't tell you if Judge is going to hit forty-two or forty-six, but what I do know is he a He's a power asset. He's a power right. bat, you know? And right. I can't tell you if this guy's going to steal 19 or 24, but he's a speed asset, you know? Right. And, and some of those those general things is how I first started playing. And then as I kind of saw all the levels of different plays in the NFBC and the people I started chatting with, I was like, kind of wanted to get a little bit drilled down into the more of the technicalities. And now I just tried my best to do like a blend <laughs> of both of them, you know, and not get too bogged up in, like you said, um, 90 or a hundred RBI 
because especially running RBIs, I feel like I we put in the effort week in and week out to really grind that on on the fab. I know you didn't have to do much of that on this overall team you won, but uh, you know that's kind of the two categories I feel like most uh, comfortable in saying, okay, like I'm not going to even have to look at that, you know. Yeah, and I think Dusty's better at that, the week-to-week grind of, okay, this guy's got, you know, a more favorable hitter's park, so and he's playing, you know, the Royals and the Twins, so he's going to have a favorable pitching match. You know, I think Dusty's a lot better at doing that than, than I am, and so I think that's why our partnership works. And, yeah, you know, getting back to, you know, projections and preseason evaluations and stuff, I mean, you know, when, when people ask me, you know, that's why one of the great things about being in Vegas is, you know, sooner or later, someone will come up and ask you and you'll have a conversation. And, you know, I like to, you know, we all like to engage in like this theory or these kind of discussions. And, you know, just very broadly, the the way you look at it or the way I look at an auction is you get $260, right? And you have 23 spots. And so if you divide 26, 26 spots and or sorry, $260 into 23 roster spots, you come up with about 1150 or whatever. So that's sort of what to me an average player is worth. I round that up to 12 bucks. And I always ask Dusty, is this guy worth 12 bucks? Is this guy worth 12 bucks? And so, hmm. and then, you know, to your point, like a guy like Aaron Judge, he's worth more than that because he's a difference maker. He's, he's going to hit way more home runs than the $12 player will. And so, like, you know, our, our first, you know, our first sort of, you know, um, goal is well who's worth twelve dollars and who's not and who's who's priced at twelve dollars but can deliver more than that and mm-hmm. that's sort of how you start and who's cheaper than twelve dollars that will de- deliver twelve dollars of production and that's what allows you to you know get more money to afford the more expensive players. Because you know you look at these auctions every year and there's always a handful of teams that won't spend more than twenty dollars on any one player. They'll have a yeah. bunch of fourteen and seventeen and fifteen dollar players. They won't have any $1 players. They won't have any, you know, $3 players. And they'll walk out of the auction. They'll, you know, elbow me and say, ha, look at all those shitty $1 players you got. Ha, you know, <laughs> they, they feel like they, they've, you know, they don't have junk players in their mind, but they also don't have any superstars. They don't have a first round draft pick. You know, you'd say if you have, if your most expensive player is $20, that, you know, the exchange rate of that as a $20 player is usually like a fourth or fifth round ADP. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. and that's, that's the thing. So when we start our, our evaluation is like, okay, if, if you're going to spend $12 on every roster spot, what kind of stats do you need to get from that position to be competitive? Who can deliver it? Who can you get cheaper, which will also match that and allow you to, you know, afford the more expensive players. I, I think one thing we figured out in our partnership too is, is kind of um, Matt knows I like to grind. So I think it works well getting dollar players because he knows I'm going to drop four or five of them right. almost immediately anyways. Um, so I, I think, I think that kind of really helps give him some, some more money to use on these other roster roster it, spots. And we, we did the platinum, what was it? Two years ago. And I think we finished third in that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. And we looked at that and we looked at the three other teams that finished in the money on the draft board. And like half of the draft picks were dropped for each team. We yeah. only kept nine of the 30 players we kept. And the nine we kept, you know, they were our first eight round picks, you know, one through eight. They all stayed healthy. They all produced. And then I think we had a couple other guys along the way somewhere that were, 
that outproduced your position. And so, and so you, and that's sort of, again, getting back to an auction. I don't want to spend $7 on a player and then find out he sucks or lost his closer's job or is a terrible pitcher and then drop somebody paid seven bucks for you'd rather drop, you know, a, a $1 player and pick somebody else up. And I think that that's sort of our, approach that if you at the end of the draft or i'm sorry at the end of the auction if you have 25 dollars left and you need four roster spots you know what what's better is it to have you know a 20 dollar player and three one dollar players or is it better to have four six dollar players and that's usually the discussion that you know anyone that does auctions is sort of should be having and then okay i'm going to go the route of twenty dollars and three one dollar players well who are those one dollar players that i think are worth it or we're taking a chance on because most $1 players are have some kind of risk built into them. That's why they're $1 players. Or maybe I'm going to go the other way. I want to go four players for $6. Well, what guys do I think are worth that to, you know, make that work out for me? So those are, those are, I think the, the first, you know, discussions that you have is how do you, what kind of budget do you want to have for your lineup? And also like which one of those four fixed dollar guide might be worth seven or eight like you you really have to know those things and 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 have it drilled in your mind because you know it comes to that point where if you're too like you know like rigid on on a certain number you know maybe you might lose out um yeah but and and also too like without having like maybe uh any third uh top three or four round players too it's like, like i think like the variance um in their profiles too like you feel safer with their floors but you also can get an you can you know you can get an aaron judge and acuna type season where it's just such a difference maker where from the fourth or fifth round guy they can always exceed that value into second or third round value but are they ever going to be you know that huge variance in the rest of those 20 dollar players you know so it's it's such a perfect balance and that's why i love the auction so much because yeah. uh, everyone's got their different ways that they approach it yeah I mean, I, I won the overall auction championship last year. I, I did have Ronald Acuna, and I think I, I don't know what I pay forty six or forty eight dollars for him. Uh, well, obviously to afford that uh, again, if the average, if you have two hundred sixty dollars and you divide it by twenty three spots, you know your your average is eleven point five or twelve or whatever. So you need a lot of you know bargain players to afford that. And I know one guy I had last year was Cody Bellinger, who you know. I felt he was worth more than $12. I felt he was, you know, worth $15, $16. But in the auctions, he was typically going seven, eight, nine dollars because a lot of people didn't want him because he was on a new team and he had been injured and he had struggled. And so, you know, he was like seven or eight dollars, but he, you know, had you know, he was a, he was a different difference maker in all five categories. I mean, hit over 300, he had 20 steals, you know? And so, yeah, you have to be able to identify those players that are cheaper than, you know, the average value, average player to allow you to afford the more expensive ones. yeah, and yeah. even with his 2020 season, even if he hit 250, he still would have brought back right. more than that seven right. bucks, you know. Or you have to, and you have to be comfortable with those. I think you know when I was started this, I didn't feel comfortable with the one dollar players. I mean, these guys are garbage. They're terrible, but <laughs> yeah. they're not. They 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 may be, but they can complement, you know, another. They could they can complement you know other players like, you know, I mean I was you know we were talking the other day like. Mm-hmm couple of these early auctions I've done, I've gotten Brian De La Cruz for a buck. Do I walk into the auction and say, I'm going to get Brian De La Cruz? Say, no, but you know, he was a dollar and he had, I think 20 home runs last year or whatever. So he's still useful. So even yeah. though you may not think, Oh, that's who I really want to get, you know, 
you, you get in a spot where you have like 10 bucks left and five players. So you have to get one or $2 players. So identifying who can exceed that player versus who's going to, you know, be someone you cut is, is, you know, yeah. the skill in this. I, I think, I think some of the, the things that like happen maybe during the season, like that complement uh, Matt's dollar players is like, I don't necessarily see it as a dollar player. I see it as, okay, I need to get this stat line from this roster spot by the end of the year. Because I know that's, yeah. that roster spot's probably going to have eight or nine players in it. So right. if, if there's a general stat line that I'm like, okay, I need this to deliver. Like if, if J- Judge goes down and that's our top hitter, like there's no replacing that. But like if what we think Judge will do what and he does that, okay, what do I need from this roster spot? And then you kind of compliment and fab, okay, maybe I need a steal guy for, you know, a month or two, but okay, now we do have enough steals for this roster spot slash the team. I know like you have to manage injuries and stuff like that, but more the thought process is I'm grinding that spot with the overall team concept in mind. Right. And that's why I love, um, you know, reading a book like The Process where Jeff and Tanner have, have gone through, you know, average teams and average, you know, stat lines that you're getting from Fab. And then you can look at that and say, okay, this is what I I have to maybe try to get in Fab. 15 home runs, 20 steals, like this extra player worth of stats, you know, and then you try to piece together, like you said. And um, also, too, like the whole – I know it was a little different, but Phil had a great breakdown of, like, who you know what gets dropped usually in main events and auction championship um online championships i was trying to like equate that to auction leagues and figure out you know what kind of players do maintain on a roster and what time what kind of prototype you can like be fine with getting rid of and turning because that's essentially like you said matt like getting a one dollar dealer cruise isn't sexy at all but the, the guy gets 600 plate appearances 20 home runs five stolen bases and if they do bring a guy in who's gonna cut into his playing time then fine see you later you know and it, it's just a yeah. buck but if you spent eight dollars on that player and that happens then you then that's that's you know not as good and so yep yeah and i think too you know the other thing you, you could you know you we look at like the platinum league, the diamond leagues, the higher dollar leagues, the, cause they're more competitive. There's more experienced players in there. People don't give up on their team. So I think they're, those final stats are more valid of what you should be trying to project. And so if you take like the, the platinum league and you look at, you know, okay, you need 300 home runs or whatever. And then you divide that by 14 roster spots for hitting. Then I need to get 22 home runs on average from every roster spot. So if I get a guy like judge or Pete Alonzo or Matt Olson last year, hitting 50 home runs, that helps me and allows me at this one roster spot that I can get a stolen base guy who might only get me nine or 10 home runs, but because I have judge, between the two of them, they still exceed the average requirement for home runs for those two spots. And so, again, that's where, like, you get De La Cruz, you know, and I'm not picking on Brian De La Cruz, you know, if you happen to be watching, you know, I, I like <laughs> Brian De La Cruz. But, <laughs> but it, it's like, you know, his stats are still useful because it allows us, again, be, to get, you know, a, I don't know, a Corbin Carroll or a whoever that provides the stolen bases that De La Cruz doesn't provide yeah. so that that's sort of and that's what you know when dusty and i when dusty seem well seems more you know in love with a certain player i said well you know what you know there's a lot of other guys that can do the same thing it's just you just need someone that's going to get 20 home runs there and or 
you know, or two guys over the course of the year that have fell into that. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to do it. And I've learned through the years not to be fixated on, I have to have this player X to build my team. Cause you know, there's a lot of usable guys that can give you the stats. You're drafting the stats, not the player really. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you, you know, you brought up something like with the, you know, the platinum leagues or diamond leagues or leagues where, like you said, 10, 12 of the same players are yeah. probably in these leagues every year. So it's almost like a home league in effect. Do, do you do you kind of um, not like have a book on these players, but do you kind of try to, I know we're all trying to, you know, obviously have to focus on our own team, but sometimes do you think right. about what maybe another owner has ten, like tends to draft in a certain way that have anything to do in your analysis at all? Because I know some people really put a lot of time into that. So I always, I always wonder how people think on that level. Sure. So when I was younger in my NFBC and NFFC days, <clears throat> um, one of the auctions we did for football, actually, somebody came up to me afterwards and said, I knew you'd take Brandon Cooks because I've seen you take him in every draft. And I'm like, huh. You know, and that kind of stuck with mm. me. So, <laughs> so, so, yeah, I do do that. I, I watch what other people's tendency are not so much on a specific player to like, does he like, you know, whatever guy or not? Does, does he like Francisco Lindor or not? But like, yeah, you know, certain people are going to spend and spend and spend and they're going to, you know, do the studs and duds and they're going to be down to $9 or, or they're going to be down to $19 at the first break. And they're going to just be sitting there for an hour or not getting a player. There's always going to be, and I kind of know who those players that have that tendency are. And I also know who the, the, the money hoarders are that are going to more hold a lot of their money. So then at the end of the game, you might be thinking I'm going to get Brian De La Cruz for a dollar, but they're going to be able to afford to get him for five bucks because they saved all their money. And so that does sort of factor into that. And I think not only a specific player because you've played with these guys for years and years and years, but also in a bigger sense, like, you know, if you're doing an auction and you see early on that the big hitters are going really expensive they're going five or six bucks over their average auction value that means the pendulum's going to swing later in the auction that the more of the the, the, the cheaper players are going to go cheaper because people are going to be out of money conversely if you notice that the the expensive players are going cheaper than normal and people are hesitant to pay 30 bucks for an elite pitcher or whatever then that tells you at the end of the draft those players are going to go for more money because more money more players are going to have money they're going to have roster spots to fill and you know suddenly everybody sooner or later everybody everybody becomes the 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 cutest person in the bar right and so as the mm -hmm. auction goes on and people are light on on players but heavy but have a lot of money left suddenly you know alex bregman becomes the best player and he may be a 15 dollar average auction value but he might go for 20 because people are like oh he's the best guy left and they're mm. so you, you sort of have to factor that in too and so and like I said, I remember the Brandon Cooks situation. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to try and take the same guy every time anymore. And I, I learned to diversify too, because I think Brandon Cooks had a bad year that year. And I didn't do very well. And so, you know, so we, we kind of all do that. And you, you'll see that yeah. people like there was one auction player last year that I knew was going to bid 40 bucks on Otani every time. And I'm like, I know I can get you to Otani at least at 40 bucks. You know, if I get him cheaper than that, I'll take it. But I, I bet I can get you over. I bet I can get you to 44 on him. And so you kind of do know who has the tendencies to, 
you know, I'm sure if you're drafting with Dusty, you're like, he's going to go 40 on Kyle Tucker. I know he will. So you, you will maybe <laughs> do that. Everybody knows I'm a Tigers fan. The Tigers don't have anybody worth more than four bucks. So, you know, I don't have to worry about that. Easy peasy for you. <laughs> I don't have to worry about overpaying on a homer pick. But <laughs> I think the, the other thing that kind of works in Matt's benefit too is like, because I kind of have a little bit more pulse in the industry, like a lot of these higher six guys either get out there a lot or draft a lot or, um, you know, even have pods or on pods that, you know, that sort of thing. Um, especially if I know that we're not necessarily targeting that, targeting that player. And when it comes to like noms, I'll kind of point out like, Hey, if you want to get some money off the table, like there's three, three people in this room that like this certain guy or whatever. Taylor Ward. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Taylor Ward last year, you know, uh, even the Jeffrey Springs, the, the Drew Rasmussen's uh, last year, we would nominate them knowing yeah. Especially no, early that there was going to be a bidding war. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, knowing I, that they have the money for a bidding war, and that's another thing I've learned. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when I used to, when I again, when I was a rookie in auctions, I would just go Albert Pujols and the most expensive guys, and now you would just maybe go top down approach. But the top down approach, the the most expensive players, they're not going to go for a bargain. I mean, you know, Julio Rodriguez isn't going to go cheap or whatever. So what I try and do is I, I try and take the cheaper guys and push them up so people will bid more on them when they have the money to do so. So yeah. that's another way to sort of take money. People say, well, take money off the table, and so they'll nominate the most expensive player left. But really, if you can get people to pay, you know, like, you know, like, again, the Taylor Ward situation, his online auction through all of last season, he was mostly a $14, $15 player. But Dusty and I knew a lot of folks were really high on him. So we tried to get him over 20 bucks in, in most of the auctions, because if you can get people to overpay on, you know, those players, again, it leaves more options for you at the end. Yeah. So like knowing when to get everyone to spend is, is, is kind of um, crucial, like and kind of the segue maybe into how you guys um do at the auction room like is how are you guys handling is one is one guy tracking the players is you know it's one guy doing the the um bidding you know how do you guys work that yeah so I'll, i pretty much let matt do his thing like we, we we'll talk about uh like like matt kind of mentioned he doesn't like having the same guys like i i would have the same guys on every single team if matt allowed me to <laughs> uh but matt does not operate that way because mm -hmm. they're all his players and he needs all of his players uh, so we, we kind of go in with like a general consensus of like the, the bigger picture plan of like what we're going to do and maybe like one to three or four of the studs that were like, okay, this is that team. Uh, and we adjust on the fly. Like we're not just like, he's, he's not, if that one to four players all of a sudden are the four most expensive options that they've been, like we, we do adjust on the fly, but I kind of just let Matt do his thing in, in, in the drafts or the auctions. I'm sorry. Uh, like I'll basically track like closers or like different pitchers or anything Matt kind of picks up on that he wants me to track. Uh, and, and then I basically am the fab guy is that Matt always jokes about like, Oh, my job's done. Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> tell me how the team does six months from now. <laughs> yeah. That's good. You have clear defined roles, which is good. I, yeah, I, I think, you know, we have clear defined roles and like, between now and you know draft day or auction day, we, we talk about a lot of the players and we come up with a, a sense of who we like, who we don't like. And you know, I, I feel like you know, Dusty and I are we do an equal partnership too. We each pay the same amount for the team, 50-50 split, 50-50 on the prizes. So I'm like, I don't want to 
buy players that he just flat out hates. I don't want him to have a team he doesn't like because this is ultimately just supposed to be fun first and foremost. So, you know, we try and come up with, you know, like, all right, like, do we want to spend for Acuna or not? Do we want to get an expensive hitter? And just a broader sense so I can work with that or give me five guys that you think are worth 45 bucks and we'll try and get one of them on each team. Kind of that kind of a thing. I told him if he says we must have Kyle Tucker, I said, no, that's not going to work. You know, we can't, <laughs> we can't do that. And so, um, you know, so we've sort of worked through some of those things through the years and, and it's, it's one of those things, like I say, okay, give me five or six guys that again, it's more of a budget. We're going to commit to buy one $40 player. Here's six guys. And it's sort of like the first one that comes up that you can get for 40 bucks, because if you sit and wait for, somebody you know the last guys might go for 45 or 46 bucks because again he's at the end of a tier and i'm like well i don't want to pay 46 bucks for this guy when we could have gotten that guy for 40 dollars. It, it happens all the time like every draft know, he'll he'll get that first guy and it's not the the guy ranked that i wanted the most out of the six and like oh man like i'm, I'm kind of disappointed i'm kind of down and then like six to 10 guys go and i'm like wow that guy looks like a steal now like uh mm. he's he's pretty good about judging the the room judging kind of like everybody's attitude in the room as far as like when they're wanting to spend and and their type of targets they're trying to spend their money on that's like last night i did one of the online 150 leagues um and I was, you know, I was, I was finishing up at work. So I, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do this really quick and, and get my auto bid set. I'm like, I, I want to get, um, I think on this one, I'm going to go for either Tatis or Betts and to, you know, and Tatis came up first and he, I think I got him for 42 bucks and then, you know, Betts come up and he goes for $48 and see if I would have waited wow. for Betts. I'm like, Oh, that was, <laughs> yeah. Like, so, and I think again, if you have a lot of teams like, like we do, I'm like, ah, we'll get Betts on the next team. There'll be tomorrow. He'll be 43 bucks. And we'll get him. You know, this is kind of the way we look at it that one of these teams we're going to get him on, but we're not going to get the same guy every time. Cause you know, I give an example like Aaron judge, if you would have built your team last year on Aaron judge and Brandon Woodworth every time you probably didn't win a lot of leagues. I don't right. know. Yeah. And so that's, that's sort of why, you know, it's like, it's diversification. It's, it's just like investing. You don't put all your money in the same stock because of that stock crashes, you're kind of hosed. And so that's something, you know, that I believe in. And I think Dusty's coming around to a little bit more that there's, there's more than what there is more than Kyle Tucker out there. There <laughs> are 29 other teams that aren't the Astros. There are guys that can, you know, and so we've sort of, come up with like different ways and then it sort of goes to well okay which of those two players did did you get first did you get you know Tatis or Betts if you get Betts well he doesn't steal as much so maybe we should focus on somebody else that that steals more and that's sort of how it guides you know the workflow of the rest of your auction of finding players that complement one another well um so talk to me a little bit about nomination strategies do you have any do you have a blend of like maybe it's some guys i want i know you mentioned it earlier a little bit matt about like you know um trying to maybe push out some of the lesser guys you know because i think like a lot of time too if you really don't understand what happens when so many people try to push or sneak in the uh, the old one dollar sneak too early and if you don't understand the ramifications of like what happens if they're too many of those happening, you know, and, and, and how to adjust that. So how do you guys handle all the nomination stuff? If there's so, any strategy to it. So the way we do that is, 
you know, again, I, I'm I'm the voice or the nominator in the auction, and because I find when when you have teams that have a partnership and they're talking to each other every turn, who do we do now? You know that that can be disruptive. So I think yeah. we, you have to have a plan. Um, you know, who I nominate first, you know, first round just sort of depends. But I will say, once I fill the position, then I tend to take the cheaper players at that position and nominate them. So like if I get like last night, I, I got Jose Ramirez in my auction. So, okay, I'm going to nominate all the cheap $1 third baseman so that nobody's going to get a cheap third baseman because they're going to have to bid for him now. They're not going to sit, you know, until the end of the auction. And if I mm-hmm. end up getting one of those guys for a dollar, well, that's going to be my corner infielder guy or whatever. That's kind of the way I look at it. Um, I, I think if you're targeting a specific cheap guy, I don't think you want to nominate him early because if you're thinking like, you know, Dusty was telling me, well, DJ LeMahieu, we could get him for a buck. If you nominate him for a buck right away, somebody's going to go 2 or $3 on him right away. So if you're hoping to get him for a buck, you kind of have to let him sit till the end and hope that you, you've got the most money and you can, you know, go one or two to get that one guy that you want to get. Um, I tend not to fixate on any one specific $1 guy that I have to have. It's more okay, we're at the end of the auction. I've got $10 left and I've got six roster spots. It's just, who do I think is the best? And like, like we talked earlier, you, you kind of expect that you're going to drop that. So if you really, really believe in this rookie or this $1 guy and I want to get him cause he's going to break out or whatever, I, I wouldn't nominate that person quick unless you're prepared to go three or $4 to, you know, fight someone else for him. Yeah, I think Matt will ask me sometimes in the draft too, like, okay, give me six dollar players for this position that you, you want and rank them how you yeah. how you like them, yeah. uh, and then he'll kind of work work in that. You know, I think that happened with Bradish a lot last year. I uh, really, I think I really yeah. snuck in yeah, Bradish yeah. on a lot more teams than Matt may have wanted, but uh, that ended up working out. But uh, yeah, as far as like. Uh, uh, not nominating player like I, I you don't really you just started a, a buck all the time unless it's just like <laughs> yeah <laughs> so greg gets pissed at me when i do that but yeah. i think too you want to challenge the room to challenge how they prepared and how they value the players if we just say okay you know obviously the top 10 12 guys are going to go for a lot but if we say someone in the middle like i don't know Xander Bogarts, right? If if you if Xander Bogarts has an average auction value of sixteen dollars, and I go fourteen, number one, I might get stuck with him. So if I yeah. don't want to get stuck with him, I don't want to do that. And number two, if someone goes fifteen dollars, their mindset is just okay. Well, I think he's one more dollar than that. And then someone else is going to go sixteen on the thought that, well, I think he's one more dollar than that. But if I nominate him at seven dollars then it, it puts them in more of a spot of well what do i really think this guy's worth and so you're trying to tease that out of people like what do you think this player's worth because i if i nominate him for seven dollars if i really wanted the player i would watch you know who else is bidding on him how much they raised their bid and, and yeah Greg gets pissed at me for that but i'm like well i want to know if i nominate um you know who's a good 30 dollar player like um George Kirby or something like that. Okay, George Kirby. Yeah, Yeah. I talk shit about George Kirby. Okay, so if I nominate George (laughs) Kirby for for $10 and someone else immediately goes 25, that means they're more interested in in getting 100%. Whereas if I go George Kirby for 10 and then the the person goes 
12. And then the room's kind of quiet. And then, you know, Brady or the auctioneer says, okay, Kirby for 12, going once, going twice. And then the next bid is 13. Then I, I sense that, okay, there's not a lot of motivation for the room to get this guy. Whereas if people are going, you know, the next bid is 20, I'm like, okay, that means that player over there values this guy a little bit more and they want him. And so you, you kind of, there's some of that gamesmanship in, in how you do that too. And so, um, your Mike Trout's another one. Like he's probably a controversial player this year. I think his average auction value is 20 ish dollars or so, give or take a buck. If you nominate Mike Trout for 10 and someone else immediately goes 25, it means, okay, that guy really, really wants Mike Trout. And I think you're, you're trying to make those assessments too, as you go along. And, and you'll notice too, when you do the online drafts or the online auctions, when I do that, if, if the bid is low and I, and I automatically go 15 bucks more on the player, it's like, there's a, quite a delay usually before because people are sitting there. All right. Is, is he really worth $1 more? What there, what was his AAV? What is it? You know, and th there's a lot of that going on. So I think you want to challenge the, the folks in, in the, in the room. Like, what do you really value this guy at? You know? So that, I like that. I like that because you can, you can see more of, like you said, who, who's interested. Yeah. Okay. And then it's also, do I want the player or not? Sometimes I will nominate a player that I really want and I'll go after him. Sometimes I'll yeah. put out somebody that's totally not interested to, to you know, somebody that neither Dusty and I uh, want. Sometimes sometimes I'll put out someone that's like, well, if, if I can get him cheap, I'd be interested in this guy. But, you know, so there's, you know, I think you have to have those assessments of all the players. Like, you know, we talk about the first baseman. It's like, well, I feel like, you know, if Vlad Guerrero or Pete Alonso are cheap, I might be interested. I don't really want to pay full price for him. So, you know, you kind of like have those assessments on the players, like what am I going to do? And so if you think about it too, if 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 you nominated a dollar player first, like Brian De La Cruz, and, you, and you're challenging the room, okay, what do you guys think he's worth? If you wait till the end of the draft where they can only afford a dollar, well, that's that's what they're going to pay for him. But if you nominate that player early it's like it makes makes people you know think about yeah. what they and also too like i feel like there's a different level of one dollar plays if you're trying to sneak in a one dollar dj lemayhew and maybe for whatever like maybe like oh i'm gonna get this multi-eligible guy or, or or someone i like possibly yeah. offered in the yankees but on the flip side when people try to sneak in like the sleepers there's no sleepers anymore and no, there's no sleepers those are the worst ones i think i recommend people to not try to sneak in wait till the end because you think like oh, i'm gonna sneak this guy in for a dollar or two yeah. you're not going to even if you started to it's, yeah, it's that's not, what I, that's what I talked it's about not gonna happen we, <laughs> yeah. we're the ones nominating them because we yeah. we know that they're not sleepers yeah they're everyone's yeah. sleepers they're, they're, so. they're yeah. everyone's that, sleepers yep I, I think dusty must be online or on Tweedo taco gram all the time because he's always knowing all these <laughs> things but you know the other thing and I, I i you know i'm happy to share this with anyone that does auctions if you really want a specific one player one guy whoever it is you have to be willing to go five bucks over their average auction value to yeah. secure that if you're going to say well i want this guy for one but not two you don't really want him if if you're if you're going to say well i i'll I, i'll take akuna for 60 but not 62 you don't really want him. I, I mean, you're, you sort of want him at the right price, but if you, you got to have a Kuna, you got to be willing to go five bucks over to secure that, that you get him because these average auction values that come up, they're for the whole, you know, draft season from January till 
March and the, you know, it's weighted over all these leagues, but when you get to the competitive high stakes league, you know, that's only a guide. It's not the market value of what the player is going to go for on, you know, March 25th or whatever day your auction is. And so yeah. kind of like real estate, your appraised value of your house is, you know, a million bucks or whatever, but what you can sell it for depends on what the market is. You might only be able to sell your million dollar appraised house mm. for 950. You might be able to yeah. sell it for 1.1. You don't know. It's just that day. And who's up, who else is in there who really wants that player? If you, Walk into the draft, and there's three guys wearing Atlanta Braves shirts. You should bet that Acuna's going to go a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the like market the is the market is the market. Judge That's always right. goes 10 bucks more in the New York auctions. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and so I, I think that, you know, that's something Dusty and I talk about too. It's like, do you want the $1 player just because, okay, I, I need, I have three bucks left and three roster spots, and this is all I can afford, or is it? I really like this guy. I believe in him. He's going to be a rookie of the year, can't, whatever it is. He's a great bounce back. He's going to be, you know, this year's Robbie Ray, $1 Cy Young winner, whatever it is. If you really believe in that guy, you have to be willing to go more than a buck. If you look at the average auction values that they post on the website, there's usually a range that maybe a guy's average auction value is three, but his range might be one to six that in one of those auctions, he did go for six bucks. And so right. – the fact that he's average is three dollars. It doesn't mean you can guarantee you will get him for three dollars in Absolutely. that auction. And I, I, you know, Dusty, the one guy I pick on Dusty about is his Astro Jeremy Pena. Is is I think his average auction value is two or three bucks. But I've seen him go for more than that. And you know, on auction day when people are desperate, they might say, "Wow, seven, eight. I really want this guy." So you just can't sit on. I'm going to only pay the average price if it's somebody that you really, really want to have. Yeah, his AAV is three bucks and one, yeah. one and seven is the minute max. So that's is it? Yeah, are you looking at it yeah. now? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a great. That's a great. And and, and two, I, I I think I think I think people will start to smarten up to him a little bit. I don't. He's. Yeah. I think people are kind of sleeping on him a little just yeah. a tad but that's a great that's a great um that's a great correlation there like you just you can't get fixate on that number you have to e either yep. just eye it up or if you have a formula whatever the hell you want to use or even kind of incorporate like last year too i tried to incorporate a little bit of like the recent like draft champions i was in or even the 400 draft champions yeah. i was in and looking at the mins of the players there and trying to like convert it almost to like their auction you know uh price and say okay like how can i factor this in can i get any bit of information on this because it's, it's huge and like you said yeah, you just got to be willing to pay up you know you just yeah. you just that's why you're doing an auction too you know right to, so you can get the guys you yeah want yeah right right and i think too you know the the second point there is if you come up with a budget and i think a lot of us do this okay my first pitcher is this my second pitcher is that and i'm going to spend this much on a bullpen i'm going to spend this much and i'm going to get a, i need a three dollar midder infielder and it's going to be jeremy pena because that's his aav well, when Jeremy Payne goes for six bucks and you can't afford it, you need to have like three other backup plans of who else are you going to put. And then it's, if if like you're preparing for your auction and you're looking at, OK, I want Jeremy Payne as my cheap middle infielder. I'll try and get him for three bucks. I don't like anyone else as a cheap middle infielder. Then either that's not the right strategy for you or mm. you need to be willing to pay whatever it takes to get Jeremy Pena as your cheap middle infielder. And then that's where you would nominate him early because I really want to get him. I'm going to pay whatever it takes. If it's five or six dollars market value, I'm going to nominate him early to make sure I get him because 
I don't like any other cheap middle field infielders. That's that's a reason of why you would nominate somebody cheap to go aggressive if, if you want to make sure you want to get that guy. That's a great point right there. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's some kind of leverage to be taken into the into the breaks, like the first break. I don't know. Maybe it's just me in general, but I felt like in the two auctions um, that I did last year, um like coming out of the first break there was like just like a lull in bidding you know there was just like this general hesitancy from everyone maybe they assessed their teams and maybe there was a couple of people that felt like okay i have a lot of money and maybe they did but then like the players that got called out were just not their guys and i just it happened Mm -hmm. in both drafts where and it just happened to be players that I was really into in even the second draft where I was trying to diversify, like Brian Reynolds was out again in, in at a great price. And I'm like, well, I'm going to fucking take him again. And like, there was just like this hesitancy span and in, in, it's like the first go around. It's like everyone trying to like, almost they come out with this new target list after that break and say, these are the guys I yeah. want here too. And I feel like it's such a good area to pounce, like pounce on that yeah. hesitancy, even if it's not maybe your desired target, but I just feel like there's a great value in those players in general. Yeah, usually it's it's timed well with the food. So I think a lot of people yes. are distracted. Finishing <laughs> and they also, well, well, let me get that last dessert in, yeah. or, you know, walking around the room, even though they're still in the room. Uh, that might be me, but that might be a distraction. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and, yeah. And, you know, there are a few that like look over in, in their rankings and like, okay, let me, let me, I'm still in draft mode, but usually mm. in those breaks, everybody's like been an hour, hour and a half. And it's like, okay, <laughs> I've been so intently monitoring this. I need kind of like a mental break to go to the bathroom, to walk out of the room, to talk about anything. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I use those breaks basically to check any news um, yep. on my yep. phone and stuff, you know, because that I think is the most advantageous thing. I think um, a couple of years ago, I forgot who it was, Matt, but somebody basically got hurt in the middle of our auction. Um, I think it was Jose Ramirez. Didn't he? That's when he injured his, his foot in spring training. There was there was that one year. I know that happened in the middle of a draft. And I think it was. Um, I always think from the football fantasy football, Josh Gordon, every year there's some breaking Josh Gordon story in the middle of the drafts that (laughs) every year Josh Gordon's on a new team or now he's suspended or now he's, you know, he's governor of Ohio or whatever. There's always some new news that comes up with Josh Gordon every, or I think there was one year with Antonio Brown signed with the Patriots in the middle of the draft or whatever. And so, yeah, I think Robbie, your point is right. When you come out of the break, I even say the, the first, round of the auction too when people just settling in yeah they're not really sure and sometimes again that's where you can steal a player because people tend to think i don't want to get get rid of my money too fast i think last year in this overall auction league i think that's where i got gunner henderson for uh i don't know 12 13 bucks like a lot a little bit cheaper than what he was uh going for in most other because folks are like oh, i don't know if i'm ready to spend you know that that's kind of the i want to save my money well, for my target guy so you can slide i don't think i think the thing with the first round is nobody wants to set the market yeah. you know yeah. if if somebody nominates strider and okay well i'm going to set the market and say 50 bucks and then cole comes and all of a sudden cole goes for 38 well now it's like mm-hmm. oh maybe i did not gauge the market correctly so it's yeah. like a fear of failure in in Almost. their eyes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody's waiting for everybody thing. else to make the first move. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's a. It's like a dance in high school. You don't want to be the first guy to go over <laughs> and ask the 
person to dance and be standing out there in the middle of the gym all by yourself, right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, like that, right? Man, oh, it's a, that's that's yeah. some good old times. I, and I, I get so, I get so, um, I don't know. I, I try to. I try to make a conscious effort to just pick my head up too from whether it's a piece of paper I have crossing off guys on my computer because the thing about the live draft too is to just look around and see everyone and like absorb their you know it's not you know I know Ariel Cohen always talks about hypnotizing the room but like not even on that level but just like understanding I don't know I got I got inside my head one time because this guy was doing like a like a really all of a sudden he went to this really quiet bidding where he was like one and I'm like, is he not confident or is he like trying to be sneaky? I'm like, I like, what are yeah. you doing with that quiet bidding? I almost didn't hear what he was saying. I'm like, what are he, saying? Like, and it's like, and then I'm getting my head and I'm like, all right, I got to stop that for a little bit. But I always try to just pick up my head, look around, you know, I try to smile at people, just try to, you know, fill them off a little bit. Like, yeah. I don't know, whatever it is, just be social. That's the, the, the best part of, of, of being there. So um, how do you guys determine like your hitter pitcher splits? Is, it, is there like something you really tend to, uh, you know, like hammer down or like you kind of loose and like, oh, I want to spend like either 90 to 110 on pitching or I think you alluded to this format, like trying to allocate, you know, certain amount of pitching and hitting is, is that just stems from the market or it's just like your strategy at that specific draft? Yeah, I, I suggested a 251 and nine dollar split, but I Dustin love it. Like he didn't like that. I, I said, let's just get nine one dollar pitchers. And he try he it. Go for that. Just try it. Try yeah. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it's important to have somewhat of a set budget for a hitter's pitching split as you go into the auction, because then you, you'll if you don't, suddenly you'll be like, oh, I got seventy dollars and I don't have any pitchers. Okay, that that doesn't maybe work and. So, you know, you, you kind of want to have something. I mean, I'll let Dusty talk about what we think that is. Or maybe, you know, if we do multiple teams, we might do one that's more pitcher heavy and one that's less. I mean, we might do something like that. So, Yeah, I think Matt kind of, like, makes me uh, make different teams, which is, is fine. Like, um, like I said, like, I, I do love my certain players. But I think with Matt, um, you know, he kind of forces me to – pick and choose like I, I can have all those players but i can't have them on every single team so like or not on all the same team <laughs> yeah yeah um so i think like as far as like the the splits and stuff it's like you know it's just pretty simple like we just come into the the thing saying okay you know this draft we may spend 65 percent on hitting and 35 percent on pitching but the very next draft we're maybe 50 50 and right completely different um and it's it's easy to do when you're both kind of in sync and know the market very well. Uh, I mean, like as Matt kind of alluded to multiple times already, is they're all his players, so you know he needs a share of all of them. Um, and that's easy to 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 make those types of hitters pitcher splits when, like, we, we don't if we take the market value, meaning like if everybody else is like spending 60 percent on like pitching or whatever, you know, we do take that into account, but I don't think it necessarily changes what, what we do at the table. Yeah, that's fair to say. Cause I, I think it's good to, um, like I, I, I tracked that in my two auction leads last year and it's a pretty stark, um, difference to like who, like 
the finishes. And I don't, obviously it could just be one year. It's the first year I really got involved with the auction championships. But, you know, just seeing the splits for the like the top three finishers and the bottom three. And it's just like pretty, um, it was interesting how much like tip to pitching it was uh, across the board, like, you know, in the top half. And um, yeah, it's obviously can change from year to year. But I, I, I think it's, uh, I don't I also have this like, um, like approach for like a, a stars and scrubs build. I know people like to really hammer it down between, oh, it's just, you know, my whole build will be stars and scrubs or my whole build will be spread the risk. I kind of like to split it sometimes into like hitters or pitchers where yeah. I may just be like, all right, so my pitching staff, I will get Strider and then I'll get five to $8 guys. Or, you know, um, maybe I go all 10 to $12 pitchers um, with maybe, you know, one $20 guy, but on the pit, you know, on the batting side, I'm going to get two $40 headed and then go more of the cheaper end. You know, I, I think it's cool to at least just play with that too. You know, if you, if you have a spreadsheet or even just a pen, a, a pencil and paper, just, just like go through the AAVs and, and just like put together a team, you know, like have, have plenty of, of practice with that, because I think that's the fun part of it. Like prepping for auctions and doing that is my favorite part. Like, you know, let me see how this team likes it. I, I, I pencil it out. And I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> you know, like you really can like envision what you want to build. Obviously you can't implement it perfectly, but at least you have an idea of like, I think this is a, a good mix, you know? Yeah. One thing I say that I like about auctions is you can stack the deck somehow. You can do something that you wouldn't be able to do in a, in a draft, right? In a draft, there's no way you would be able to get Akuna and, you know, <clears throat> strider on your team for yep. example because they're both first round players it's just not going to happen but you could certainly do that in, in the auction say i'm going to buy a kuna i'm going to buy strider but i'm going to need all these you know eight dollar players to offset that or you could say you know what i don't want to pay for any big first round talent but i'm going to get you know four you know second round players at 30 bucks i mean you could do all those things and you know as we mentioned earlier the the team that says i'm not going to spend more than 20 dollars on anybody they're basically saying i don't want any first second third or fourth round players but i don't want any 19 20 20 round 21 draft pick caliber players either they're all going in the middle of that draft board so you know there's there's lots of different ways that you can do it and you know it, it could be fluid too you might go into the draft saying we're gonna we're gonna get strider for 40 bucks and or whatever and these eight dollar players but then strider goes for 47 dollars, and then it's like, okay we're gonna go to plan b and so that's why you want to have those different uh you're, you're like a pitcher you want to have different pitches in your arsenal so that you can go through it the pitcher that only throws fastballs generally doesn't last very long right so it's kind of the same thing like i could if, if we decide we want to go for a couple 40 dollar hitters we could build a team that way if we decide we don't want any hitter over 30 bucks we can we did that last year. We took a, a team where we had, I think, five $30 players. I think we had Semyon, Everest, Arena, Soto, Tatis, I think. We, you know, we did that last year. And there, there's multiple ways to do that. I like that. Um, so talk to me a little about the end game. Are you are you trying to save X amount? Do you know? I know some people are so rigid on like I need this for this amount. And while that's maybe desirable, I feel like can also screw you by. I always feel like it, it's like a danger in in like leading up to those players. If you're leaving uh, better players on the board that maybe right. cost a little extra and can be yeah. like you know I don't want to knock down from ten to eight. Like I'm strict on this ten for the, my last 
you know, five guys. And yeah. I don't know, like, I, I, I feel like it's a good strategy in, in theory to like want specific things, but it just may set you up for not being flexible enough to, you know, to really be in on players prior to that moment. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, you know, you'll hear people say I need $30 for my last 10 guys. That's an average of, you know, $3 a player, but some of those players that you, it depends how specific you are and what the players you want to get too. If, if you're, again, you're sitting there and I'm going to get Jeremy Pena for $3 and I'm going to get this pitcher for $3. Somebody else might be, have more money and can outbid you on that. So it's like, do you want a specific guy or, or is it just, I don't want, you know, a dollar player. I mean, I, I'm pretty flexible on that. I mean, if I get down to eight spots and eight dollars, I can find eight one dollar players. If I mm -hmm. get down to eight spots and I have thirty dollars, I can get through it. So I think again, by doing more of these, you know, one fifty auctions through the January and February, you you come become comfortable for both of those scenarios. Like if I get down to eight bucks for eight players, I you know I had one draft uh, a couple weeks ago where I, I got. De La Cruz for a buck, Jose Abreu for a buck, Jonathan India for a buck. Um, and I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think JD Martinez for $2. And, and he's just like, I don't target any of I'm not like, I got to get any of these guys, but like, okay, I have eight bucks and eight players. This is what I, I can do. And, I think there's like, there like there a handful of guys then that I took in the reserve round that I was okay with. And it's like, okay, if maybe Jonathan India isn't a regular player, I've got these other two guys that have fill in. So, so again, it's becoming more comfortable with those players that are deeper on the draft board that, you know. Yeah. I think, I think I'm more in the draft telling him like, Hey, like I would prefer us to have a little bit more than eight spots for $8 just cause I like to have that flexibility. Um, but kind of to Matt's point, you know, if it suddenly like, you know, uh, a six to $12 player is all, all of a sudden going for five or six and that makes the rest of our, um, players, a dollar players, like he'll, he'll jump on that kind of knowing, Hey, like, I'd rather have this, this guy that's severely undervalued that we like, and then we'll, we'll adjust to the dollar players than keeping the flexibility. I think yeah. there's something too about like, you know, Matt, you mentioned like having, you know, I want 30 bucks for my last 10 guys, right? And have all these, maybe your target is like, I'm grabbing everyone in the three to $5 range. But to me too, it's like, when do you get to that number? Like if you get to it too soon and everyone still has money, you're really not going to squeeze anyone past a lot yeah. of these guys with money too. So you got to be a little bit conscious to that as well. If you get down to 30 bucks for, for 10 players before the first break, you're going to be sitting there after the second break saying, whoa, I can't believe that guy went for 12. I can't believe that guy. Oh, I wish I could. You, you'll be sitting there. You're right. 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 And you sit there and you're like, come on, bid, man. What are you waiting for? You know, like, and, and like, once I realized, I, and that's such a great point because I realized in one draft, I was saying that myself and i said man this is not an everyone else problem this is a me problem a me right problem. Now. yeah that's such a great point yeah thank you for pointing that yeah, out we, we have the opposite thing in our in our draft we have like a, a sheet that we'll communicate or write you know down yep. uh thoughts or things that we're seeing um and we have a a, a category called wow on there yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and <laughs> it's, it's just somebody that we're just like wow okay like we knew it was gonna get overbid but like we didn't expect it to go to that price and right. uh, we'll, we'll keep track of that yeah. <laughs> we'll, 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 how many wows in the draft? yeah yeah <laughs> i think wow it, i think isn't it whoa you know and some bad words you know yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool i like that idea yeah, yeah, I mean, 
well, we will, we have a, just a, a they, you know, they have those little notebooks at the, the, the draft, you know, those, uh, mm-hmm. those little pads that they have. And I, I always grab one cause I make my own spreadsheet and then those tables and the tablecloths you can't write on. So I always ask Greg for one of those little notebooks and I write on that. And, uh, we, we, we more write than talk cause we don't want to hear, cause it sometimes it distracts me from hearing what else is going on. But also sometimes, you know, we don't want other people to hear like, Dusty's like, get this guy because someone else might. You know? yeah, yeah, everybody can always hear whispers, so it's yeah. it's right. Yeah. Writing's the best way to go about it. I know, and I can't do that because like I have just bad hearing. You know, I throw a hearing aid in third grade, so when I can't have that. Even even when it was like one in even the one at auction when Phil Phil came to hang out with me and see how I was doing, and he was like asking me things, and I was like just nodding, and he <laughs> I didn't even know what he was saying because <laughs> I was just like. Yeah, I, I, it, I, I, it just doesn't. I can't hear you. So there's no, yeah, there's we, no don't text, we don't text because sometimes the signals are in those rooms that get a little wonky. And so I, I think one time Dusty sent me a text and I didn't get it till an hour later. And I'm like, oh, dude, I didn't know that. <laughs> so yeah, just scratch pad it. It's easy. It's one, yeah, it's one through three. It's just like they do in court, right? That's yeah, exactly. So one last question before I just want to quick, quick dive your team that I won last year. But just sure. do you. Do you put anything into like the reserve rounds? Like, do you try to analyze maybe who might go there or like what kind of player pools are like yeah. remaining there? Because it's it's an interesting, you know, like um, you know, when I flip from like DCs to uh, that or come out of a main where, you know, you just may have a different player pool. Like, there's there's obviously not thirty catchers always after yeah. twenty three rounds and such. So, is there anything to the auction rounds, or you just Whoever's there is there. That's that's something, you know, that's a good point. You know that you have to get your 23-man roster within the first uh, – you have to have a legal roster at the end of the auction, the 23 rounds. So, yeah, you can't – like in a draft, you could say, well, I'm just going to punt catcher and get my last two mm-hmm. catchers in round 29 and 30. But you know that in the, in the um, auction that, you know, there's going to be – 345 players sold in those first, you know, 23 rounds and that they're going to be – you know, everybody's going to fill their position. So you're watching that as you go through the last few rounds of bidding too. It's like, okay, I need a middle infielder. Who else has a middle infielder spot open? There's two other middle infielder spots open. That guy can't outbid me. So that's, that's certainly something that you're thinking of as you go along. And then when you get into the reserve round, which again is usually after a break, you're kind of like, okay, which guys didn't get drafted? So is there a value out there that got missed in the auction that I'm going to try and get on? But I, I usually try and get like, you know, you want roster flexibility so you're not stuck with I only have one shortstop and then he gets hurt. You don't have anyone to play. So you have to factor that in, like what are your reserves? I usually try and go with like, you know, yesterday I bid on Chris Bryant for a buck as my outfielder. He's pretty injury prone. So if he gets hurt, well, who would who would be his replacement? So I'll do some of that stuff. I usually try and take a rookie or – a middle reliever with closer upside or somebody like that who we might not use for a couple months, but if you stashed, you know, Eli De La Cruz last year, you know, that would have been a pretty good move. Right. So you might look at who, who's the hot prospect that maybe we can stash. Um, I, I, I like to often back up my closer too. Cause if, if, you know, we had Pete Fairbanks a lot. So if he gets hurt, you know, Jason Adam comes in and gets saved. So you, you think of all those things. You don't want to just totally have no structure to your reserves because they are usable and valuable picks. Yeah, I, I usually end up doing the reserves kind of to with those guidelines Matt just kind of said to uh, 
I kind of generally think about it more like it's extra fab spots for me because I already kind of know these bench guys are not going to be on our team. Uh, Matt does like stashes a little bit more than me, yeah. uh, and we will work them in. Um, and Bryce Harper for a dollar. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, yeah. Had him, we had him on the, the diamond uh, auction last year, and uh, he, he helped us. He, you know, we were middle of the pack around all-star break, but he uh, he got hot and uh, he, he helped propel us. So, yeah, I think there is some role for stashing, but you don't want to have, you know, if you take Max Scherzer and he's not going to play for half the season and then Jacob DeGrom because maybe he'll come in and then suddenly you don't have a, lot, a very – usable bench either so you have to factor all that in because guys do get hurt and stuff happens and you can make lineup changes on friday so if if you don't have anybody to replace your injured guy like you know that those wasted at those you know zero at bats for a weekend or that that can add up to to be a deficiency sometimes you find at the end of these competitive leagues you you lost out by four runs you know and so if if you you know, or consistently not able to replace your injured guys that can lead to a def- deficiency for you. Nice. All right. So let's look at your um, overall winning auction team last year. Um, you absolutely crushed uh, the hitting side of things. Got 95% of the overall hitting points. Yeah. Just crushed runs, ribbies, RBI, stone bases. It's like really. It's hard to do it. every category <laughs> that well, too. Yeah. I, I was fortunate. You know, I wanted to build my offense. Um, I had Acuna. I had Tatis was actually the guy I wanted to get. And I think, I don't know if you have the prices there, but I think he was only 30 ish dollars. I thought it was a fair price. So 34 for Acuna. And uh, I mean, for Tatis and 46 for Acuna. Yeah. Nice. And, um, you know, for three bucks and Lane uh, Thomas for a dollar. Those are the ones I highlighted. I'm like, that's beautiful. (laughs) Abrams and Thomas for three and one, respectively. I was like, oh, boy, that's, that's fantastic. Abrams, Thomas. So I, I followed the Washington Nationals box score every day to see how <laughs> yeah. um, they they were good. Um, I just had a lot of guys that you know were were solid too, not spectacular, not wow, look at this guy. But I was fortunate they were mostly healthy. I didn't have a lot of injuries to deal with on that team, and that mm-hmm. helped too. Um, the pitching staff I would say was not very sexy. I mean that was one of those where I thought the during the auction, the starting pitching went for more than I wanted to pay. And I had Framber Valdez, but um, again, that's another one where I'm like, I go in thinking I'm going to get a couple expensive pitchers and they were too much money. So I pivoted to get Framber Valdez. And I think I took four guys for around $12 a piece. Yeah. It was Severino, Lazardo, Cortez, Peralta. <laughs> yeah. Peralta and Lazardo turned out to be good picks because yeah, now $9 a piece. Wow. That's yep, just, they're yeah. going for like, they're going for $22 or so this year. So, you know, but yeah, I had Severino and Lucas Giolito too. And I still went overall in spite of that. So, you know. <laughs> it, it didn't. <laughs> but that, I think that's sort of to the point I was making earlier. Like, I don't put a lot of pressure on myself that I have to have this guy. And if, if I don't, oh, you know, because because that could distract you in the draft too. If you lose out on your guy, you feel defeated. And oh no, and how do you yeah. focus? So I've, I've learned to not fixate on any one guy. I mean, you know, I've, Dusty and I have talked about hitters. I'm like, I like pretty much every hitter except Kyle Schwarber because his batting average is just such a problem, you know. And so for his price, if he was a buck, I'd take it. But, I, you know, he goes – somebody would pay 20 bucks, I'm sure, for Kyle Schwarber in Vegas. So I'm like, I can't do that because it's a problem. And 
you know, but everyone else is pretty usable, but you know, and so, you know, it's, that's how you, you know, I, I try not to be like, I must have a Kuna or it's a fail because it, 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 it'll distract your your focus during the auction yeah it affects your mood it's a real thing like right? yeah. the chemicals in your brain yeah you feel it's like a- you lost or you feel like the guy yeah. that stole him from me i feel defeated i'm embarrassed i don't want to see him at the break you know so you know right. all this drama so now i'm like whatever <laughs> you're right no no that's a that's the those are real things i, I think that's that's a that's a legit thing to talk about too because you don't have time for that like if you're gonna stay stuck in that it's like you know it's like the quarterback that throws a pick like they have yep. to move on that next yep. path they throw yep. you have to move on you can't dwell on that you know and that's such a that's such a big point i mean um and i really you know do like that balance that you took with the pitching and i think that's you know there was this whole range of of pitchers um from like five to 12 that was just really solid last year like it was just, just like a, a, a wide group of of starting pitches i know that was a lot of my you know focus um after maybe i got like a a one uh one guy for 25 bucks or something it was all yeah. these pitchers that were littered in that range yeah. you went with romano for 21 bucks and then you threw in like two one dollar guys at the end gallegos chapman um you could get that one anchor closer that kind of like your usual approach again this is just like this part of this draft that 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 like how it happened i think that was one of those how it happened again i didn't get any of those big expensive starting pitchers i'm like okay well let's not get screwed in saves as well mm, let's get a great good, point you know it's like and uh i you know the auction i did last night i didn't come away with very sexy starting pitching either but i took three relievers i'm like well i'm not gonna take a zero in saves i might be in the middle of the pack for the other categories but let's not you know, I mean, saves is actually one of the easiest pitching categories to predict, right? You kind of know that the guy sticks with the job, he, he gets you saves. And, you know, if he doesn't, you you should draft his backup. I mean, that's kind of the easiest of the five pitching categories to predict. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to totally get screwed on saves too if my pitching's just sort of, you know. So that was yeah. sort of the approach there. And, and um, you know, it's important you know, to find a couple guys that, and hit on a couple guys that lead to profit and that offsets the Luis Severino who gives up a touchdown in one inning and then leaves the game. <laughs> you know, yeah. Right? Well, I think, I think, you know, just as a fab guy, you know, that's even more impressive about this team is you like, you only made 46 moves the entire year Sick. and five of them were basically a dollar type players in fab. And like, I'm more in that, you know, double that sometimes uh in, in my Easily. league you know um uh, so like it kind of speaks to what you said your team stayed healthy but like stayed healthy i didn't have a lot of guys that you know like i needed to replace because they were unproductive or negatively productive i think there's yeah like you you want to get um, good players i don't think i had a lot of one dollar hitters on this team i think you mentioned thomas i hit on paredes too isaac paredes i think he was a buck or two if i remember yeah buck, yeah very nice yeah love that one i i couldn't get him uh i couldn't get him in my auctions i i, I voiced my love for him too much last year but hey whatever that's i had i was like 13 for 13 on dcs with him but as soon as i got to the auction table it was like yeah it was just... like they were like everyone's looking at me like like when i said it to like three four i was like jesus all right not the fucking be if, so if you, uh, if, aggressive. You, <laughs> if you uh if you state your love for somebody somebody else is gonna bid, uh, bid for him right yeah yeah, That's why I keep talking doubt. about Brian De La Cruz. I hope someone will go nine or ten dollars. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Smoke I love screen. that. The old, yeah, John the old... Carlos Stanton. I really like John Carlos Stanton this year. You know, no. 
the the old gecko smoke screen. Seventy <laughs> yeah. percent of what I say is misinformation. <laughs> Whatever the fuck yeah. that line is, pretty pretty wild. But no, the, the other fifty percent is BS too. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do the math because it doesn't matter anyway. Yeah. No, but it, no, it's really chance this won't work out. But there's only a ten percent chance of that. I think that's the name, <laughs> isn't it, Leslie Frank Frank Drebin? <laughs> Uh, I love it. I love it. But yeah, no, just really like amazing job of having like such a stable team. Oh yeah, I, my my auction team that I wanted was just I I had a lot of holes and I just, it was making three or four one dollar moves a week, and you just made five of them all season. So just just to see it, uh, you know the the different you know fabbing is just is just pretty wild. Uh, and everybody school- always wonders why like. I call myself team never lucky or whatever, but it's like I drafted all these teams with Matt and the one Not time one. he wins the overall, I'm in the KJ draft upstairs. Not that one. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh wow. So this one, this one, it was just solo Matt and, and yeah, he's solo just like Oh man, what's the correlation on that, Matt? You got to be like thinking, hey man, listen, this is what's the- <laughs> as proven he doesn't need a fab guy. <laughs> Absolutely, this is fantastic. That's good. You guys want to hit anything else before we get out of here? This was an awesome discussion. Uh, I really no, liked I what we. So I mean, you know, we're we're you know, like we said at the top of the show, we're still planning to go out there. Like like nothing happened with all this controversy. I mean, I hope uh, I hope it, the the dust settles on that, as they say, and it doesn't become a, a thing. You know. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it, forward to seeing everyone, anyone who's watching this now. We look forward to seeing them. It it. Not it's not the same situation, but it has that same feeling of the COVID year. Yeah, it was so close, and you built up all this like, oh man, I'm ready, and then it's it's almost that is it being taken away from me? What's happening? That unpredictability, which I think is why everybody's just in all their emotions, rightfully so. But um, yeah, because we're all so passionate about it. Something we feel so strong and we're invested in. It's not something if it's if it wasn't like that, we wouldn't be so and it's the stuff outside the draft room. It's like I want to have dinner with everybody. I want to, you know, catch up with everybody and see my friends and that sort of thing. These are a lot of these guys are my friends that I see twice a year that I've been doing this. I don't know how long we've been going to Vegas now, like 10 plus years. I mean, yeah, I I see some of these people more than I see my family. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah no yeah absolutely and just, i i hope so too i hope i hope uh, you know everything comes through um in the best way it can you know and um i truly believe that going forward though we 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 will get we should feel even more confident than i i, I ever felt before so um yeah i'm excited to see everybody and uh, have all that fun and just share the time together like just like-minded people we have this, you know a crazy little hobby that we right right possess over and it's so much fun because uh, so I've, much fun. yeah i've met so many people and, and um all, over the last three four years and just you know it's yeah. awesome it's just really yeah it really is it's, it's really a, awesome good group of people it's it's unfortunate that there was a cheating issue but that person won't be involved i'm hoping it never happens again so yeah. i don't know it's maybe naive of me to think that but you know whatever yeah absolutely good good stuff fellas i think this was an awesome conversation Thanks, about yeah. 
about auctions, you know, like, and I feel because like it's not really too much content talking about it, or at least just the the little intricacies of it, and you know, just like sitting at the table and and just talking what we just talked about. It's just, it's really, it's really such a layered uh, format and a layered game, and um, trying to peel away so much of it is is it's daunting because when you peel one there's like two or three more to that you know and it's just it's just it's just awesome mm -hmm. so i appreciate you guys time i think i think everyone's gonna get a lot of actionable stuff you know out of this in a way to approach a draft and an auction and uh yeah hope to see you guys uh in a very short time for sure you're, you're going to vegas this year i think i see you in a couple of my leagues rob I yes yes hopefully that early one gets filled i'm a little worried about i think what is it the thursday one or wednesday one I, I think well yeah i think you should promote that on your podcast yeah. i think that the there's a wednesday evening one and a thursday morning one that look like their signups are stalled and you know it's yeah. middle of the week i kind of understand why it's kind of yeah. hard to you know i think most people show up thursday night or friday morning there's there's a, there's multiples on fridays there's a couple yes. options in the time slots and yep it just yeah. might be that it's just hard to if you're going on a Wednesday, you're kind of taking the whole week off now to go. <laughs> right, right. And that like that 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 Wednesday, Thursday one was kind of like my New York ones, you know, and they just stuck them in that day. So I'm like, oh, I'm just getting into this one because yeah. it's kind of mir you know, like mirrors that I thought it was going to mirror, like maybe even the same crew. Uh, but yeah, it's just low sign up for that. So if you're considering an auction when you go down to Vegas, you know, jump into those uh, yeah, yeah, auction championships for sure. Um, they're so much fun. Sunday afternoon one, too. That's sort of halfway. That yep. Probably can use some players. Absolutely. Good stuff. All right, men. Awesome talk. Um, thanks right, for hanging out. Appreciate your time. Everyone for listening. Thanks for listening and don't be a bag of shit.